Awesome. I hope you've been enjoying going through the Psalms. We've been looking at a different Psalm each week, the last few weeks, and yeah, it's just been really awesome. And um, yeah, we actually have a guest speaker today. Um, yeah, one of my really good friends, Hans, is, is here with his wife, Naomi, and, and their daughter, Matilda, as well, the Hopgoods. It's really great to have you guys here. And um, yeah, just thinking about this series um, and the idea of what we've been talking about, singing the Psalms, just thought of Hans and just his great heart to worship the Lord and, and real passion um, yet yeah, to sing to the Lord and also deep passion for the word. Um, Hans uh, drives a truck for work uh, and just spends all day listening to the Bible and listening to biblical teaching and podcasts. So he's a truck driver theologian, which is awesome. And um, yeah, just quick sort of backstory. These guys are awesome. We really encourage you to chat to them afterwards. But um, yeah, Hans grew up uh, a lot of his childhood in, in Holland. Um, yeah, I, I knew you'd like that, Cindy. I was waiting for that, yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, has done a lot of ministry in Byron Bay and just, just in recent years they've moved up to, to Brisbane and just this year have moved to Ocean View um, up the mountain, which is awesome. And to top it all off, it's actually, oh, hey, Ali. Sorry. I'll come over in a second. Hey. Um, to top it all up, it's Hans's birthday today, and he's come come to preach, which is awesome. <laughs> so if you want to come out. <laughs> awesome, yeah. So we're so excited before you have to share, and yeah, really just bless you as you come to share today. Man. So good. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to be vulnerable straight up and uh, say I'm a worship leader who sometimes preaches. And so this isn't my... Is this cutting in and out? No, we're good? All right. Uh, so this isn't my primary to be sharing the word. Uh, I like to uh, be where John was, you know, leading in worship, which was so amazing. Did everyone enjoy that? I really felt such a manifest presence of God. It was really strong. So, uh, yeah, you guys have a great community, and I just want to encourage you that I feel his presence here. I feel welcome here. I feel welcome in God's presence always, and when I come into a place where I feel his presence, um, I just feel at home, you know, so I feel instantly at home here in this church, even though I know that a lot of you don't know who I am, which is also not my favorite uh, place to preach from. I like to preach from a place where people know me. So uh, I for forgive me for not being able to do a big introduction or testimony of who I am and, and sort of share a little bit more about who I am because I want to get into the words. But uh, yeah, come and chat with us afterwards. And uh, we do live in the area now, so uh, we're, we're here to stay. We'll hopefully get to uh, meet a lot more of you and get to know you more. Some of you may have seen us dancing uh, up at the uh, retreat that you guys had. We came up for the Saturday night hoedown barn dance, which was cool. So uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, my primary function within the church has been as a worship leader for about 20 years. And so uh, it's kind of uh, fitting to share on the Psalms. I was really excited when Tim invited me to share. So I want to jump straight in and we'll pray before we start. So, Father, yeah, we, uh, we look to you. I put my eyes directly on yours, Lord, and pray that you would guide us and lead us through this word. I pray that you would uh, 
Open up to us, Lord, your heart and reveal who you are through this psalm, Father. We pray all that in your name. Amen. All right. Deep breath. So we've been looking at the Psalms, and I include myself in the we because I've actually been tracking with you guys. I've listened to all of the messages that you've had so far. Tim's been faithfully sharing them with me via the little uh, podcast, and uh, I was, you know, really uh, impressed with how this journey has been going on. Pastor Sam sharing a stirring preach on uh, Psalm 34, when the going gets tough, I was... uh, I was, I was like, whoa, this guy's got fire. He's like preaching Psalm 34 at me. It was really great. Pastor Tim took us through Psalm 62, uh, waiting in silence and um, leading us through that word. And then the word last week from Sue, which was really impactful. I mean, uh, her testimony woven in with Psalm 42, the sacred journey of struggle, uh, was was amazing, I have, I have to say. Uh, so... Uh, I've been tracking with you guys, and today we are going to look at Psalm 84, and I've titled this message, Sing the Song of the Sons of Korah. Say that 10 times quickly. Sing the Song of the Sons of Korah. So we've been looking at the Psalms, and if I were to summarize the essence of the whole book of Psalms as a collective, I would say... That of all of the books, the Psalms are the beating heart of the Scriptures. What do I mean by that? Some books reveal the story of God. Genesis, Joshua, 1 Samuel to Chronicles reveals the story. Uh, Some provide the instructions for life. Proverbs, instructions on how to live. Uh, Some are the mind of God. The Gospels reveal the face of God and the body and the hands of God, but I think the Psalms are the beating heart of the Bible Um, because the Psalms are just a giant, vulnerable, unfiltered expression of raw prayer to God from the heart of humankind to God. And the Psalms provide us with a window into the heart of humankind as it voices its prayers to God. Um... So in this way, the Psalms are like the vault of the human heart, uh, the vault of the heart of mankind. You will find everything in there. Um, You'll find David's Psalm of repentance when he messed up with Bathsheba. You know, that's immortalized in Scripture now. How vulnerable for David. David has to hear that song sung from earth over and over and over again through the centuries. Ooh, that's my vulnerable heart. That's the vault of his heart expressed on Scripture. Uh, We have Psalm 42, which was read out, you know, deep cries out to deep. My heart, like a deer panting for water, I long for God. So we have deep cries and then all the way to the top of high praise, as uh, Pastor Sam shared, Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. So within the Psalms, you have from one extreme to the other, you have the entire spectrum of the vault of human heart expressed towards God. This is raw prayer expressed 
to God. So uh, everything is in there. But the absolutely stunning part of the Psalms is that God turns all these heart cries into Scripture. The Psalms are Scripture. And by doing so, he validates every single human emotion that we can express towards him. He sanctifies them. He washes them in his blood. He validates. When we read the Psalms, I feel a sense of validation that if I feel something like one of the Psalms going on in my heart, I know that God has put his stamp of approval on it by making it scripture. And so I can know that when I come into God's presence, my emotions are accepted before him. That's what the Psalms do. God validates us as human beings through the Psalms because the Psalms are all human. I mean, it's human going on to God. Does that make sense? The Psalms show us that to God, all our anger, all our grief, all our sin, all our loss, all our praise, all our joy, all of the spectrum of the emotions, if directed towards God in prayer, in heartfelt sincerity, are welcome in his sanctuary. David's psalm is welcome in God's sanctuary. He endorses it by making it scripture. Bam, David, that heart cry, yes, I endorse that. He sanctifies our hearts and everything in them. The psalms as a whole collective, and I will get to Psalm 84, the psalms as a whole collective are a giant, I see you, and you are welcome in this place as you are. That's what the Psalms are. The Psalms are God saying it is okay to be human. Does that make sense? Our obstacle is often that we think it is not okay to be human in the presence of God. And that's something that we need to overcome. And by reading the Psalms, we can overcome that. We are okay to be human in God's presence. In fact, it's more okay there because sometimes when we're human amongst each other, we hurt each other. But God says, do you know where's the safest place to be human? Is in my presence. If you feel all the really sometimes scary and wild emotions that you feel, best place is to come into the sanctuary. Get it washed, sanctified first, sung out, and then... You can go to your brother with peace and love and everything that you've exchanged and bought in the sanctuary. The Psalms are saying it is okay to be human. A massive endorsement of our humanity. Now, having a window into the heart of uh, humanity's prayer life with God is great, but that's not the final purpose of the Psalms. The title of the series that we're on is Singing the Psalms. And that is absolutely the right title to associate with the Psalms. We're not just to use the Psalms to gain a window in to look at other people's emotions. We are to sing the Psalms and to hitch our emotions onto those same emotions and like hitch a ride into the presence of God. Um, 
And in that way, you get something much more substantive. I hope I'm making sense. When you sing the Psalms, they become a vehicle for your heart to communicate along with the psalmist all your deepest vulnerabilities and expressions to God. That's what the Psalms are for. They're not just a window. They're a vehicle. So if I see in the Psalms, that's how I feel today. I can sing that, and it's a vehicle for my heart to express that same emotion to God and know that he accepts it. The Psalms all of a sudden become your Psalms, your heart, your cry, your anger, your grief, your joy, your praise, your gratitude, your victory. Better is one day. That becomes our longing. That was the sons of Korah's longing. But it's not just a window anymore. We don't just look through. We join that song and that becomes our longing. And God does something with that. So if we understand that God validates the entire spectrum of our human expression through the Psalms, then we can be supremely confident to enter into his throne room of grace. I know I can enter in with the similar expression that David had because God accepted David. So if I feel something like that, I have supreme confidence. Well, you accepted David. I feel like David today. So I can come running into your presence. You can take any psalm of God and say, you endorsed this by making it scripture. I'm feeling like this today. So I know that you will accept me today in how I'm feeling. That's how the psalms work. You can release yourself into the fullness of the psalm. All right, I've labored on that point way too long. <laughs> And this is where the real value of the psalm is. So it's a giant invitation into the sanctuary of God with our hearts. And that's what the psalms are intended to be, an invitation. Come as you are. Not come as you hope God would want you to be. Clean yourself up first and then come to God. No, the psalms are come now. Come as you are. Come as you wake up in the morning. Come as you are cut off in traffic. <laughs> If you're cut off in traffic and the anger rises, oh, all of a sudden I can't come into the presence of God. No! Come into the presence of God with that. Better to go there than to deal with the guy who cut you off. <laughs> That's what the Psalms are intended to be, an aid or a vehicle with which you can pray your deepest prayers to God. You can catch a ride on someone else's prayer. Psalms sometimes give language to what we don't even know we feel. When we struggle to put language to how we're feeling, the Psalms help us. They give us that language. That's what I feel. Now it makes sense. I can sing that. That's how the Psalms work. Now, as if we didn't need any more validation in being human in God's eyes, God takes it one step further with the incarnation of Jesus Christ. How much more validation do we need than God coming down and wrapping himself in humanity, taking our songs, psalms, and singing them himself? God sung our 
psalms. God sings our heart. God came and put on flesh, took our heart, our psalms, and sings them. That is an endorsement. You are welcome to be human in God's presence. Woo. God sings our psalms. So let's be human. That's the good news of the incarnation and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You be human, God will be God, and I'll be the one who brings the two together. You don't have to be God. It says, be perfect as I am perfect. But we miss that perfection is made perfect in weakness. God's grace is perfect in my weakness. Wow, I'm so off track. <laughs> so with all of that being said, let's look at Psalm 84. And we know with what I've just said that whatever Psalm 84 says, God has endorsed that feeling. Whatever the sons of Korah are about to sing, God has stamped his approval on it by making it a psalm. And turning it into scripture. Psalm 84, verses 1 to 4. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself when she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praises. Selah. Straight away we hear that this is a psalm of longing. In this case, it's a healthy longing to be with God. This isn't a longing for deliverance from enemies, a longing to be delivered from trouble. This is simply a longing to be with God. I want to be with you. This sounds like someone who has been in the presence of God and maybe finds himself outside now. Because how can you long for something that you haven't tasted? He's been in. He knows because he can sing, how lovely is your dwelling place? You can only sing that if you've seen it. This person's seen it, and why would he long and faint for it? Because he's now somehow finds himself away from it. That could be some of our experience as well. Maybe you've known a season in your life of manifest presence. Maybe you've been part of a community that has seen the glory of God. And because of circumstantial changes now, you just, you're like, I was, I saw it, I've been in. And now being just slightly removed for that, from that for whatever reason, I long for the presence of God. This sounds like someone who's been in and they're standing outside. And in their longing, they're even jealous of the sparrows. They're like, I'm here as a doorkeeper in the tent and I'm watching the sparrows just go in and out. And it's even making a nest on God's altars. How come the sparrows don't have to adhere to Levitical codes? How come the sparrows don't have to wash themselves in blood and be endorsed as a Levite to go in? No, they just go in. They just go in. There's a proverb as well that says something like the lizards even just live in the king's palace, you know. The animals, they can just make their way in. 
for some reason, we're like, go up against barriers or something. So this person, he's like, oh, if only you could turn me into a sparrow, Lord. I'd be happy. Whoa. He's jealous and he's even envious of all those who have close proximity to God and can sing God's praises. Blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praises. I want to be in that number. Oh, when the saints go marching in. I want to be there, Lord. Blessed are those who dwell in your sanctuary. The whole psalm is emanating hunger. I want in. Now, a little study reveals that this person who has written this psalm has a deep and personal reason for his longing. This is because he is a son of Korah. The psalm is attributed to the son of Korah. It says, Psalm 84, to the choir master according to the Gittith. We don't know what that is. A psalm of the sons of Korah. Now, a short journey through the story of the sons of Korah helps us to shed light on the personal nature of this longing. When Moses was setting up the original dwelling place, the tabernacle, in the wilderness, he assigned the Levites, the tribe, to be ministers within the temple or the tabernacle, right? And within that Levitical tribe, there were three families, Merari, Gershon, and Kohath. Aaron and his sons were primary. They got to actually minister. Merari, Gershon, and Kohath, they had their duties within the tabernacle. So Merari and Gershon, their families, they were in charge of the outer courts, the outer tents, the outer posts, the outer things, all the outer stuff. But Kohath and his family, from where the sons of Korah come from, they had the privilege of tending to the duties of the Ark of the Covenant. So this is when they're uprooting and moving camp. The Kohathites could go in, wrap up the Ark of the Covenant, wrap up the the veil, wrap up the lampstand. They had access. They were the ones who could go in. I don't even know how it worked because Aaron was only allowed in once per year. Maybe the Shekinah glory had to lift so that the Kohathites could go in and pack everything up. But they had to carry these things on their shoulder and walk to the very next campsite, set it up. So they had proximity. They were in. They could go in in some way. I don't even understand how. And perhaps see the ark. Perhaps not. Maybe they had to go in backwards and like wrap the thing over. But imagine being the Kohathites carrying the Ark of the Covenant. This is our design. We've been commissioned by God to carry the Ark of the Covenant when we set up shop. Woo! But the tragic story of Korah, he's a grandson of Kohath, is that he becomes embroiled in a rebellion to overthrow Aaron and his sons. And we know the story, the, the ground opens up and swallows up Korah and his rebellion. Some lie had gotten into Korah's head maybe, thinking, you know what, Aaron's only allowed in once per year, but we seem to go in all the time. Maybe we're a little bit better than those guys. We should be the ones who could minister, right? A bit of pride comes in, and the rebellion is quashed. 
But we know from the story that some of the sons of Korah survive. They don't even, they don't, they pull away from the rebellion. They survive. And the line of the sons of Korah continues on. The next time that we hear about them is when David is setting up his tabernacle and we read that the sons of Korah's responsibilities are now as doorkeepers. I don't think I have the reference. First Chronicles 9, chapter, chapter 9, verses 17 to 19. It says, the doorkeepers were a bunch of names. And the son of Korah and his kinsmen of his father's house, the Korahites, were in charge of the work of the service, doorkeepers to the threshold of the tent. Woo! So the sons of Korah are now doorkeepers in the house of the Lord. There seems to have been some sort of relegation back, right? What are we doing here? We're not living out our design. Our design was to be in. And now we are out here. Their story is a tiny little microcosm version of our grander human story. We're not sons of Korah, but we're sons of Adam. How in was Adam? Adam was in. He was it. He was in. And we are his descendants. We should also have been in. But because of a rebellion, we're on this groaning, travailing, longing earth. Paul speaks of the spirit groaning within us. We have that groan written into our DNA because of the fall. I'm sorry I'm going on, and I'm sorry I'm shouting. I'm a shouter as well. I'm, uh, you're going to have to <laughs> apologize. Just going to have to bear with me. I'm a shouter. <laughs> Sometimes I come across as a little condescending. Maybe it's like, don't you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I apologize. By design, we are meant to be in the Holy of Holies. Thank God for Jesus Christ that we are, but the eternal work is not finished yet. We still have heaven and earth needing to come together and be restored. So we've still got this place where we need to be in. We want to be in. We long by design, not even by our own merits, but by design we long for God. So the sons of Korah have simply tapped into the cry of humanity. This is our groan. Their groan is our groan. And we can use a psalm like this to tap into that groan and turn it into prayer. But the psalm also reveals that they've journeyed through some of that grief. The Valley of Baca, we've traveled through that. We've traveled through the Valley of Travail the valley, valley of loss, the valley of the loss of proximity, the valley of the loss of their uh, position. And they seem to have come to a place where they have accepted and processed that pain and are happy with where they're at. I would rather be a doorkeeper 
here, at least somewhat in your proximity than being outside. Thank God that I'm here. I want to be there, but I'm here. By the grace of God, I didn't get swallowed up in that rebellion. I'm here, and there seems to be a processing of grief. And that's something that we can do as well. We experience things like this in our life, the loss of something that was so manifestly beautiful. And we can use a psalm like this to sing it out and process it. And the psalm ends with them believing that God will hear their prayer and answer it. Psalm 84 verses 11 and 12 say, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. They are saying, we trust in you. We know that you're not going to withhold anything from us. And when the sons of Korah write this psalm, as we were saying right at the beginning, God sees it and goes, yes, I want to turn that song into scripture. That is a cry that is welcome in my courts. Yes, I endorse that. In fact, I so endorse it that I want other people to sing it. Other people need to have this translated onto them. Other people need to know this psalm so that it can stir that same longing inside of them. Think of how many millions of people have sung that song. Woo! So that's our window into the psalm from the perspective of the sons of Korah. I'm landing the plane now, so um, don't worry, we'll, we'll get to our... <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get to worship again. <laughs> um, so that's our window into the psalm, but now the question is, how do we properly make this psalm our own? Why do we need a psalm like this? Why does God want us to sing this psalm? Why does God want us to own this psalm? Why has he made it scripture? Why has he put their heart on display and say, take a good look at that. I want that to be your heart cry. You can take a ride on that psalm into my presence because I endorse that. And if you attach yourself to that, you will come before me. Why do we need to sing that song? I believe the answer is simple. God is attracted to hunger. And that's what he wants to tell us through this psalm. He offers us a psalm like this to get in touch with our hunger because he knows that when we hunger, he satisfies. If we're not hungry, then status quo it just remains the way it is, right? But Jesus taught us about hunger. Blessed are the sons of Korah who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So there's a promise there. If you hunger like these guys, you will be filled. Their promise and their answer is coming. And if we hunger and thirst like that, we know that ours is coming. 
He taught us to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, be a doorkeeper, knock and keep on knocking, and that door will open to you. Hunger, such a great, he endorses hunger. I think that's what I see in it. Jesus endorses hunger as a good thing. Sometimes we get slapped around a little bit. You know, are you hungry enough? Are you hungry enough? It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Jesus is in heaven ever living to intercede for us. He's singing this song right now, wanting that song for us. He's in us singing that psalm, going, hey, catch a ride on this psalm, because I tell you if you sing it, Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. We see it in the book of Acts. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. He tells his disciples, wait in the upper room until you are clothed with power from on high. And as good Jewish disciples, they would have taken their prayer book, the Psalms, and gone straight into the upper room and start singing the Psalms. No doubt Psalm 84 was amongst them. Lord, we've been with you. You are the lovely dwelling place, Jesus. Now you've been taken away from us. Of course we're hungering. How can I even put words to my hunger for Jesus? I know I'll take Psalm 84. Lord, I faint for your presence. And who knows that if they took that psalm at 9 o'clock in the morning on Pentecost, that the door just opened up and the Holy Spirit came down upon them. Jesus meets hunger with his satisfaction. Whoa. So a psalm like Psalm 84 is a gift to us from God and from the sons of Korah to give language to our heart that we sometimes don't even know we need. There are seasons where we lose our longing, where we lose our hunger and we drift to the outer courts. And it's so great that God provides us with the psalms so that we can be reminded Oh, yeah, I do long for you, Lord. I so long for you. I remember those days of manifest presence. Lord, I want to attach myself and bind myself to this psalm and let it take me to where you want me to be, where your spirit can be poured out upon me. I was so encouraged by Sue last week just sharing about how she used the psalms, you know, to pray over a person in their sickbed in a coma or, you know, that's how the Psalms are to be used. You take them and, and they are prayers and turn them into prayers. And he will come. So I think we're going to sing uh, Better Is One Day again. And hopefully from a fresh perspective and just really allow ourselves to enter in. I hope I haven't ruined the song because it was so beautiful. The first time around I was like, oh, we're in. I don't even need to preach about hunger because you guys are all hungry. So I apologize if I've ruined your service. <laughs> no, no, no. No, look, a big, a big hand for hands. Uh, uh, you've brought wonderful clarity and passion to, um, to this whole series of um, looking into the Psalms. And um, it's just been wonderful to have you today. And uh, Naomi and Matilda, and uh, we, uh, we've been blessed by you, mate. Yeah. Who's hungry? <laughs> Good on you, mate. Thank you.